right, let's get things started with the future of WNBA media, Pepper Pursley. So excited to be here with Ashley Langford, who is the head coach at Stony Brook Women's Basketball here for this Black History Month special. Um, and I'm so excited um, to be able to talk to you, Ashley. How are you doing? How's it going? Pepper, this is awesome. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, I'm doing well. We just got done with practice and I ran up here and I was like, I got to get on this podcast with Pepper. Yeah. So, um, no, I'm excited to be here. All right, I'm so excited to have you. I always ask people about the beginning of their basketball journey. So how did you get your start in basketball? Yeah, uh, growing up, I lived in a cul-de-sac and uh, my neighbor who actually, like, they had two kids, um, an older brother and a younger sister. And um, the sister babysat me when I was a kid. And so I would be over there a lot and her brother would play hoops all the time. So him and his friends, they had a basket outside, um, they would play. And one day I was just like, all right, let me shoot. So that's kind of how I started when I was young, you know, like four or five years old, just kind of shooting um, just in the neighborhood. And then, um, you know, then I got better and I was like, okay, can I play with you guys now? Not, not just shoot, I want to play now. So I started playing there. And then um, I had another neighbor who had a, a nephew that would come on the weekends and he played basketball too. So it ended up really just our little cul-de-sac. We just used to have games and just play and play one-on-one and three-on-three. And that was really my first introduction to basketball. It wasn't organized at all. It was really by accident. That's awesome. I love those stories where people just fell into basketball and they found out that they were incredible at it. Um, so when did you know that you wanted to be a coach? Man, I, I didn't know until I was a graduate assistant at Auburn University. Um, when I got done playing, my my college coach, Lisa Stockton at Tulane University, she's like, look, you should look into coaching. And I was just like, man, I don't want to coach. Like, I'll go get my MBA and go work in business somewhere. And that's what I was thinking. So I had the opportunity to go to Auburn and, and be a graduate assistant there when work with the women's basketball program under Nell Fortner. And I mean, you know your history, so you know who Nell Fortner is. And I couldn't turn that opportunity down. Um, but also I was able to get my MBA and get my education, which was really important too. Um, so when I first got there, I wasn't sure if I wanted to coach, but I was learning and um, had an opportunity to work out one of the players at Auburn. And she was struggling a little bit with finishing around the basket. And so we were working after practice and we just kept working. And, you know, one time in the game, she, she drove in, she got an and one and she celebrated and she kind of looked over to me with like a thank you. And I think that moment for me was like, I was like, all right, like how I felt when she did that, because she didn't have to do that, number one, but I also had joy of seeing her reach a goal and knowing that I helped her reach that. And so that was the moment when I was like, all right, like this is for me, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be helping young women develop and grow, um, not just on the court, but off the court too. I love that. Um, that yeah, that's an amazing story. And I actually had um, Coach Fortner on the podcast. That's awesome that we had that connection. She's a ball of energy, right? Yeah, she's so much fun. <laughs> what were the most important lessons you learned from your time as an assistant coach at various schools? Yeah, um, I think when I was an assistant, I was really trying to be the best assistant where I was. And I wasn't thinking about the next job. I wasn't thinking about what I was before. I was really trying to be the best assistant and really learn my head coach and learn what they needed from me um, in order to help everybody be the best that they can be. And also really honed into my players and whatever my responsibility was, I was really trying to be the best in that role. 
And I think I was, I was doing that and I was able to grow. And as I moved up, I got more responsibilities. Um, and then you just, you just learn time management, which is, is key because it's a lot that you have to do. Um, but I think I also learned too, it's all about the relationships. Um, it's, it's really having those connections to your players, um, to your, your head coach as well and being connected. And that is what makes a team really good is it's not all, it's not about the X's and O's. It's not, uh, I learned that as an assistant early on. Like when I first got in there, I was like, all right, I got this play. I got this defense. I know this, I know that, but it's not about that. You have to connect to your players to get them to play for you. Uh, you have to connect to your head coach to get them to trust you, right? You have you got to figure out a way to make everything you do better. Um, so I would say that that was the biggest piece I learned as an assistant, as well as learning every aspect of the program that I could because I wanted to be a head coach. So I was the one in my boss's office, like, hey, what else can I do, right? I want to get some experience with this. I want to get some experience with this. And I think that's what helped me in my transition to becoming a head coach is I had literally dealt with every part of the program leading up to that. Oh, that's awesome. You're just planning for the future. That's super cool. And then now as a head coach, what are some of your principles and what's important to you? Yeah, I mean, we do, we do everything here with love. I think that's number one, um, just having love. And I think love allows you to have a lot of empathy. Love allows you to get through adversity and hard times. Love helps you, you know, look at things from a different perspective. And that doesn't mean that there's not conflict. That doesn't mean there's, it's all good days. But if you're operating out of a place of love, you love your teammates, you love the university you're at, you love your coaches, you know, that's the environment that I'm trying to create here. Um, so love is really important to us and me. Trust is huge. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm big on that. I don't, I don't tell lies. You, you, I'm going to tell the truth all the time and you're not going to like it sometimes, right? But I'd rather it be the truth than anything else. And so we preach trust. Um, but trust what we're doing. Trust yourself too. I mean, I, I have a, I have a little index card that I use for games and has our plays on it and some other things. And at the bottom of it, it says trust yourself, and that's a big piece of it too. So to me, those are the two biggest things um, that that our program, you know, we really talk about. Um, but some other things, competitiveness. I'm a competitor. I get after. I compete about everything. Want to be the best all the time. And I'm really big on growth and growing and not being complacent and not staying at the same place. So I talk to our players a lot about continuing to grow, continuing to get better. Um, and if you're staying the same, you're getting worse. And that's just how it works. So I try to push people all the time with my staff, uh, my players, but that's because I like being pushed too. And they challenge me just as well. That's awesome, I love that. What do you enjoy most about coaching and what are some of the challenges you face as a D1 head coach? I mean, I love most is seeing the players succeed in whatever dreams they want. You know, there's some players that you have that they're like, look, coach, I really want to get my MBA. I really want to get this certain job. I really want to be in this opportunity. I really want to coach, right? And then there's other players that are like, man, I want to go be a pro. I want to play overseas. I want to play in the WNBA. Whatever their goals and whatever their dreams are, it's important that we help them get there. So that's success to me. So whatever they want, when they graduate, they're in a position to achieve that. And that's really how I look at success. That's what I want for each and every one of my players because everyone's different. Everyone has different dreams. So when they reach those goals, when they get that job or they're playing overseas, like that's what makes me happy um, for sure. And it also too is, I think when you've coached your team and you get them to a place where when they're playing games, they don't even really need you. Like you get to sit down a little bit, 
Like they're the ones making the reads, they're the ones executing and they don't need you as much. Um, I think that that's, that's the goal that I try to get to with our, with our team and our current players. Um, so what was the last part of your question? I know I didn't answer, it was two fold. Yeah, just well, on some of the challenges of challenges. being yeah. Um, I think the challenge is like from being an assistant to a, a D1 coaches that are head coaches, it's your program. So you have to make a ton of decisions um, and no decision is too small. <laughs> you got to make it because it's, it's your, especially as a first time head coach, it's your program, it's your culture. You want it to be the way you want it to be. And a lot of people are asking you questions because they want to know how you want it <laughs> and they want to be able to execute that. So I think making a lot of decisions um, is definitely a challenge and the time management piece and staying focused on what's really important in the moment because you have a lot on your plate, but you got to really focus. And, and it's your players, it's your culture, it's your staff, it's the people around your program that, that are really important. You got to put them first all the time. Um, I think I also, you know, a challenge too is, is the connection piece. And I think especially as a head coach is, uh, we know as an assistant, I connected on a different level, right? I had my certain position players and, you know, like, you're not the head coach, so you're not making the, you're not deciding if they play or not, right? So now I'm the head coach and I'm connected to everybody, but it's a little different. You know, sometimes they don't always want to be around me, whereas an assistant, they wanted to be around me all the time. So that's a little bit different. Um, so you're just connected in a different way. And you kind of have to be aware of that because you are the one making the decisions. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm still myself. You got to be yourself regardless. Um, if you if you try to act like, oh, I'm this big time head coach, I got to act a certain way. It's like, no, nah, that, that ain't going to work. So just continuing to connect. It's just a different way. It's so cool that it's important to you to not only be there for the players as players, but also like when they have big success, successes out of sports. I think that's super cool. Um, yeah, you touched on this a little bit, but what's the best piece of advice you'd say um, you received as a young coach? Hmm. I think the best advice I had was you, you got to prepare for what you want, right? And I was saying, hey, I want to be a head coach. And they and people told me, some of my mentors were like, you need to start preparing for that now as you're an assistant. So write down everything. Write down your thoughts. Write down, hey, I really like the way coach did this. Hey, I would do this a little bit different with my program. Hey, this is how we taught this action. I mean, literally just start writing it down so that when it is time for you to, you know, get that opportunity, you're ready for it. And you don't have to all of a sudden scramble and figure it out. So they really told me that to, to really start acting like you are the head coach in these situations that come up that your head coach is having to deal with, start thinking about like, how would you handle that? What would you do? And write it down. Um, literally told me to write everything down. So I started doing that. And I'm glad I did because I go back to that notebook often and, and refer to it when I'm dealing with situations now. Yeah, writing stuff down, it say, sometimes it seems like boring and unuseful, but it definitely comes in handy having your notes. For sure. Yeah, so this is your first year coaching at Stony Brook. What is it about the Stony Brook program that led you to take a job as head coach? Yeah, that's a good question. So I felt like uh, I was at JMU as associate head coach there, and we had a good program, and it was a really good fit for me. I'm all about fit. So I wasn't just going to leave and become a head coach anywhere. I needed to really align with who I was and and what I saw and what I envisioned for my program. And, you know, I always said when I become a head coach, 
I would like it to be at a school or university that I would also attend if I was a student athlete. And so when I went to Tulane, you know, what was important to me, what I valued was high academics and competitive athletics. And so Stony Brook fit that. Um, we're a high academic institution and we win here and we have the resources to win. And we have a competitive championship, you know, team and, and athletic department. So to me, those two things right there, you know, were attractive to me. Um, I also like being an hour away from the city. So it's like, I'm not in the city, but I'm close enough to it. I can get to it. I like the, the location and I'm, I'm, I have family in Philly and all that. So I could get a little bit closer to them. Um, but it was really the draw of the academics, the high academics, plus um, being able to win championships and be successful because I like to win. Um, but I also, I also think getting education and being able to perform at a high level um, is important too. So uh, it was a win-win for me. And then once I, you know, met the people here and our, our athletic director, Sean Hilburn and Debbie DeJong, like the administration was awesome and it just felt right. You know, our, I'm, I'm big on vibes. And when I met with them on the Zoom, just like this, it was, it just flowed, it worked. And then it was just sealed when I came on my interview and, you know, I was like, man, I hope they call me back. <laughs> so, um, you know, I had, I had some other opportunities that I didn't feel the same about, you know, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in believing your gut and go with your gut. And I didn't have any red flags when it came to Stony Brook. Yeah, that's awesome. All about the Zooms these days, huh? I know, right? It's crazy world we live in. Yeah. All right. So tell me about your recruiting process. What do you look for in a player? Yeah. Um, number one, I look for a good teammate. I'll be honest with you, a player that um, when I watch them, you know, they're they're being a good person, a good teammate. Um, you know, talent is going to catch my eye regardless. Like you're talented. That's obviously it's going to catch my eye. But I start looking at, you know, how do you interact with your teammates? How do you interact with your coach? Um, that stuff matters to me because if, if you're displaying that poor body language or whatever negative attributes um, in high school, you're going to do that in college, too. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I write you off. It's just knowing that, hey, she's got to work on our body language. That's a challenge that we're going to have to get her through. And, you know, I have those conversations during recruiting because I try to keep it real. I want you to know that I'm going to be on you about your body language, right? So that's important to me. Um, I think the ability to um, understand the game and work really hard at it. Um, some players have a, a level of IQ that is really important. Um, you know, some players have leadership abilities. So like those types of things I look for, I really like players that can pass the ball. Maybe that's because I'm a team, uh, I was a point guard. Maybe that's why, but I like players that can, can pass. Um, and the way we like to play, I like having five players on the court that can shoot and at least four out of five of them that can shoot the three. But I definitely like having five players on the court that can score on the offensive end. Um, I don't look at defense too much in terms of how they're defending. It's more of, are they capable of defending? And do they, do they play hard, right? So because when, when you get here, I can teach you our defensive way, but if you don't play hard um, and maybe you, you don't have some of the, the lateral footwork or you're not athletic enough to play my style of defense and that, that, that makes a little bit of a difference, but it's really a combination. It's not just one thing. And it, it all depends, just like our players, all of our players are different. Everyone we recruit is a little bit different too, but. I just really try to tell our, our coaches and myself is like, we need to know the players as well as they know us so that we can make sure that this is the right fit. Because if it's not the right fit, you can be great, but if it ain't the right fit, it's not going to work. You're not going to, you're not going to reach your maximum potential. 
And I want players that, that want to reach that and that can reach that with me because I'll feel bad too. If it's not a good fit, you don't always know that, but you try to do as much homework as you can to make sure it is the right fit so that you're not having issues, so that you're not seeing people transfer and all those types of things. We've talked about your journey. We talked about getting the players to Stony Brook. Now, what does the country need to know about the Stony Brook Seawolves, the number 10 ranked mid-major squad? Yeah, I mean, we're fun to watch. When we're playing, when we're, when we're moving and sharing the basketball, we're fun to watch. Um, I, I really want people to tune in to us. Our players, our women are working really, really hard. It's paying off. I mean, our non-conference, we went nine and one with wins against Washington State, um, Rutgers at their place, St. John's. And we've got a really a, a, a experienced veteran group that is ready to win another championship, but also, you know, make some noise in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, for a lot of them, this is their last time. This is their last time out there. So they're not taking anything for granted and they're putting it all out there. But um, we're fun on offense and we really lock down on defense. And that's part of our identity. We're going to defend, we rebound and we run. And they're having fun out there and we get to celebrate big. So as much as people can watch us, I think they'll enjoy it. I mean, I saw your squad in person. You do definitely have some fun players to watch. And now if you all didn't believe me, you, believe, you can believe her. Um, so what message do you have for kids out there who want to play D1 basketball? Yeah, I think you just got to work hard. That's my biggest thing is um, whatever you want to achieve, if you put the time in, you put the work in, and no one's forcing you to do that. Because I do think there's a difference between you wanting to go work and then your mom or your dad telling you that you should do that. I think you got to want it, right? And the more you want it and you work on it, you'll get better. And as long as you're getting better every single day, you're moving in the right direction. Um, I also would say, don't compare yourself to other players. I think right now for younger players, it's hard out here because social media, you can see everybody and this person's ranked this and this fifth grader is this and this, all this like competitive stuff and ranking each other and looking at other players. It's like, no, just focus on yourself. If you're putting in the work, it'll pay off and you just got to stay with it and be consistent. Um, and then just let it and then have faith, have faith that it'll work out in, in your favor. But I would just say, keep working hard. Yeah, I get that advice a lot, but every time it kind of sounds different. And every time um, it's very um, important. And I kind of take this advice for me as well. So thank you for that. Good. I know I've talked to you before about being um, a black head coach, but I wanted to ask you another question. Sure. Do you have any black women coaching mentors and how have they impacted you? Yeah, I mean, Michelle Savage, she uh, coached me at Tulane and she was a head coach. So she was my assistant when I played and she went on to be a head coach at Davidson. And, you know, you always have those certain relationships and an understanding, right? There's just there's some things that are just black woman to black woman, you just know. And it's nice to hear her. She's given me great advice. Um, she's also connected me to some other black female head coaches. Um, Charlotte Smith and Elon reached out to me when I was an assistant at, at JMU. And, you know, she's given me advice as well. And she was a big one that was like, look, write everything down. <laughs> she's like, when I was at North Carolina, I wrote everything down that Sylvia Hatcher was talking about. So, um, you know, those two are the first ones that come to my mind in, in terms of, you know, black female head coaches that have already done it. Um, but I've gone to a lot of seminars. I've gone to workshops. I've heard other Black female coaches talk. Um, but it, those are the ones that have been the most intimate and, and uh, have given me advice. And 
you know, it's nice now that I'm in that seat. I can call them and text them and be like, man, you was right. Or what I should, what should I do about this? Um, and not just them. I have other, I have other uh, mentors and friends that are now head coaches as well that, you know, that aren't, they're not women of color that have helped too, but um, there is something to be said for, you know, being a black female in that seat. It's just different. Yeah. I'm lucky to have some black women mentors in journalism and broadcasting. So I definitely understand how important that is. And last question for you, when this podcast comes out, it'll be black history month. So I wanted to ask you this as well. What does black history month mean to you? Um, it means everything. I mean, it's, it's our culture, it's our ancestors. It's, it's deep. And for me, I, I don't celebrate it just in February. I think I'm happy and proud of being a black female every single day. Um, but it, it is, glad, I'm glad that it's getting the recognition that it deserves in the on, ongoing um, communications and, and, and conversations that need to continue to take place um, about our history. And I think education is really key. So if we're reaching one person during Black History Month and they learn something that they didn't know before, um, then that's a win. But I'm telling you right now, for me, it's, 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 it's all year. It, it shouldn't just be one month. We should be celebrating our heritage and, and who we are every day. And, and I do that with our players and, and myself and my family. And I mean, I, I love being Black. I love being a female. I love being myself. So uh, it means a lot. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I mean, I'm always like looking at um, and learning about incredible Black people and it's just awesome that um, we can have conversations like this and share it um, always, but especially during February. Um, all right, so that's all for today. Um, thank you so much, Ashley. Coach, this has been amazing. And I learned so much from you and I really look forward to watching um, the Stony Brook the rest of the season. So good luck. Pepper, I appreciate you. And let me know when you come into a game. I got you. All right, I will. Hopefully I can make it out to one this season. <laughs> All right, kid. All right, thank you. Bye.